Our gospel lesson for today, Palm Sunday, comes from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11, the story of Jesus' triumphal entry. When they had come near to Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied in a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat upon them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, people of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. I love this passage. It's a great one. It's not only known as Jesus' triumphal entry as he enters into the city, but it also serves as an entry point into a greater story, a larger story, one that is coming to a culmination over the course of this week, known as Holy Week. Now, we know that Jesus is coming in for the festival of Passover. We know that the city of Jerusalem is full of extra people who have all gathered for this as well. We know that the Roman presence is heightened because of this as well. The Romans who control the area have extra people there, extra soldiers there, extra presence there just to make sure things don't get out of hand. So there's a lot happening in the city. Now, Jesus has been doing his ministry for several years now. He's attracted great crowds. He's also angered a lot of people. There's been a lot of people who support him. There's been a lot of people who have stood in opposition of him. And there's been a lot of mixture of people who kind of don't know what to think. But for a time now, Jesus has been moving towards Jerusalem, knowing what was going to happen. More than once, actually three different times, he has predicted to his disciples that this will be the end of his life, that he will be betrayed, he will be killed, but then that he will rise again. So Jesus, is it's no secret to him what's going to happen. I don't think Jesus is going to be taken by surprise. He has told his disciples they are aware, even if they can't quite wrap their heads around what's going on. But in addition, there's the great crowds that have gathered around Jesus. And we hear, even directly before this, in the previous chapter, as Jesus is moving towards Jerusalem, that he's coming through Jericho. Now, Jericho is very close. It's only about 10 or 12 miles away from the city of Jerusalem. And as he comes through there, he does a couple more healings. Now, Jesus heals all the time. That's part of why people come to him, to be healed. But there are great crowds that are coming around. They're witnessing all these things that are happening, and they're continuing along with him. Now, Jesus heals a couple of guys who were born blind. 
And then they even join in and come along too. So there seems to be this great throng of people. Throng, that's a funky word. I don't use that one. A great crowd of people who surround Jesus and are traveling with him. As they come, we hear he comes to the Mount of Olives. Now, I've talked about the geography before. The Mount of Olives is opposite from the Temple Mount. There's the Kidron Valley that's between them. And the road that we hear about in the passage goes clear down through this deep, deep valley and then comes back up towards the Temple Mount into the city. And this is what we hear about. Jesus comes up to the top of the Mount of Olives. As he comes through the small village, he tells his disciples, or at least a couple of them, I want you to go over into the next village. You're going to find a donkey and a colt tied there. I want you to untie them and bring them. And if anybody says anything to you, just say, hey, the Lord needs them, and that person will send them to you. And that's what happens. They bring them. They spread their cloaks on it. Jesus gets on, and they ride on into town. Now, there's this joyful proclamation, this joyful celebration that's lining the roads. We hear about the people who are also spreading their cloaks out on the road. And they're, they're taking branches from the trees and, and laying those out on the road as well. And this is all for a reason. This is a greeting of celebration. But it's maybe not quite the thing that Jesus is anticipating. Normally, this type of greeting is an indication of either a king or like a military leader who's returning in triumph. And now normally, this individual would be either riding a great war horse or perhaps riding in a chariot. The last thing they would be doing is riding on a donkey. And yet this greeting that the crowd is giving him is all an indication of that. And we hear it's this amazingly loud, crazy, joyful proclamation. Hosanna in the highest. Glory to the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Glory to the son of David. All of these things are being shouted. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And all the things that are being shouted by the crowds, these, these joyful proclamations, they all are an indication of something. In addition to the way that they're acting, the way that they're spreading everything out to, to line the road ahead of this, this great man who's coming into the, the, into the city, they're also their words indicate something too. The word Hosanna, it's an old Hebrew word, and it literally means Lord save us, or the Lord will save us, or the Lord will deliver us. It's kind of all the same thing. That's what Hosanna means. And so it's come to be known also as a proclamation of joy. Hosanna, 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 just like we know it now, even in Jesus' day, it was the same thing. But it literally means Lord save us. And then they said, blessed is the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, all of this is a proclamation that sounds like some Old Testament prophecies. And in fact, Jesus himself talks about the donkey and rides the donkey as a fulfillment of that prophecy. But all this is pointing in a specific direction. And it's an expectation of what Hosanna, the son of David, what they think by that. Lord, save us. And save us by who? The son of David. So let's think about what all this means. David, the great military king, the one who had really united the, the tribes. He was the second king of, of the kingdom of Israel about a thousand-ish odd years before Jesus was around, had expanded the territory. He's considered the first great king. Now his predecessor was pretty decent too, but he had some issues. Not that David didn't have issues too, but, but David was this great king. And God had promised him that his, one of his line would always sit upon the throne. And so considering that David was a great military leader, 
and that they're claiming that his son or his heir would be coming in again. And then they're saying, Lord, save us. What the people are asking is, Lord, send your military leader. Send your military king, your powerful political king to come in and deliver us. Well, deliver us from who? The Romans, because the Romans were the power of the day. We've talked about this before, that that the Israelite people and the, the Holy Land and Israel in general or the people of Judah or the Jewish people, whatever we want to call them, that they've had a long history of being conquered by different empire after empire after empire after empire and they really have not been self-governed for a very, very long time. It was one empire, then the next one, then the next one, then the next one, and now it's the Romans. The hope seems to be seems to be indicated by this cry of Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna to the son of David. Bring your deliverer, O Lord, who will reestablish us as the superpower, who will make us the mighty ones, who will make us the great power, and will reestablish the greatness of the kingdom and the nation. That's what seems to be going on. Do you see this expectation of this great guy who's triumphantly coming in to the city? That's interesting to note. But that's the crowd. Now, the city has a reaction, too. We hear about that. And the distinctions are important. We hear the city is in an uproar. It's actually in the original language. It's the city is being shaken, almost like there's an earthquake. They're in turmoil. They don't know what to go or what to think, what to do. They hear this commotion out along the roads outside the city. And maybe they can see this, this guy riding a, riding a donkey and having all this proclamation around him. And they wonder, who is this guy who's coming in now for the festival? Is, is someone announcing themselves? Who is this? That seems to be the question. Who is this man? Now the crowd answers. This is the prophet Jesus of Nazareth. This is the one that you've heard of, the one whose, whose ministry is so amazing, the one who speaks of the kingdom of God coming near us. This is the one who has done the healings. This is the one chosen to lead us now, the Messiah. Who is this man? I can't help but think that that's the important question. Now the city, maybe they get their answer, maybe they don't. Maybe the people in the city are Jewish folk. Maybe it's the Romans. We don't exactly know. It's not specified. But there's the people who are proclaiming him and revealing their expectations. And then there's the city who maybe doesn't quite know. I mean, it's not like they had TV and, and, or they had cell phones and everyone was taking videos and they know exactly who this guy is because he's been posted all over social media. He's just this random guy. And why are they in such an uproar? Why are they proclaiming this greatness? Now, I don't know if the question got answered for them that day or not. All we do know is that the people who know who Jesus is, the ones who have been traveling with him, say, this is the prophet, Jesus of Nazareth. And let's think about the history of the prophets. What happened to the prophets? Well, when they came into the city and they opposed the forces that were there, more often than not, what do we do with prophets? Well, we kill them. Interesting. Because that's exactly what's going to happen. Now, I mentioned before, I don't think Jesus was surprised by anything that was going to go on. He came into the city... The first thing that we hear about when he enters the city is he goes into the temple and he causes an uproar in there, even greater than the one that's already happened. When he does the cleansing of the temple and he drives out all the merchants and all the animals and all the money changers and all that, and he really makes people really angry. Not only is, are the people in an uproar, but then he's got all the religious leaders in an uproar too. 
That's the first thing that he does. And he spends the next several days coming in and out of the city over and over again and, and opposing things and teaching things and causing more uproars and more and more and more. And even these people in the crowd, the ones who are cheering for him in this, this moment, in a few more days, they'll turn their backs on him. Even the disciples will turn their backs on him. All of that. And Jesus is ultimately alone as he hangs on the cross. But that's getting ahead of ourselves. And so what does this all mean as we consider this, the triumphal entry as Jesus comes into Jerusalem? When we say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, and we praise Jesus, and we think about this God-made flesh, and we wonder about all this, what does that mean for us now today, here in the first part of April 2020? I think we need to consider expectations. The expectations of the crowd were revealed in what they said and how they acted towards Jesus. Their expectations would change as the days went on, and he didn't sort out quite like they anticipated him being. The city itself, their expectations, or maybe their lack of expectations at that point, were on display, but they too would turn against him. And so let's consider our expectations for the Lord, especially now in these times when we're gathered digitally, when we're not together, when we're wondering how is this whole virus situation going to shake out? We're wondering, God, where are you? God, deliver us from this. We're looking to you, and maybe the answer that we are getting is different than what we hope for. Maybe the answer that we're getting is not what we expect our God to do or hope that our God will do. It's not the deliverance that we want. Jesus was not giving them the answer that they anticipated either. Even in the act of riding the donkey, he's not riding some great majestic horse. He's not triumphantly riding in some chariot with trumpets blazing around. He's riding a donkey. And it even says in there, he comes to you humble. This is a humble servant Messiah, not some great earthly political mighty leader. We don't know how all of this stuff is going to shake out for us. We hope and some days that hope is easier than others to see. I've certainly felt that myself in this, these past days. Some days are better than others. Some days are harder than others. Some days I can cling to that hope that this is all going to pass. And other days I'm afraid that it's going to utterly affect us in ways that we can't even anticipate. We don't know how it's going to go. But the promise remains that God is with us. Now we don't hear the name Emmanuel today. But that's one of the first things that Jesus is called in Matthew's gospel, Emmanuel, which means God with us. And I believe that's the promise that we need to hold on to over the course of this whole situation. That we have a God who has promised to be with us. Maybe not in the ways that we anticipate. Maybe not in the ways that we hope for or expect. But the promise is that God is with us and God will be with us no matter what ultimately happens through this. That's the promise of the gospel. The gospel which is coming to fruition through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, which we focus in on this week. May we hold that in our hearts. May we hold on to that hope. May we hold on to that promise, even in the times when things get difficult, that our God is with us. Hosanna. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Amen.